Well, good morning to our ACC family. Thank you so much for being here. It, is, it really is an honor uh, to be able to get to share God's word with you today, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. We want to welcome those that are joining us here today. And thank you for being here on this really Veterans Day kind of weekend. And I think it'd be appropriate. We have so many freedoms that sometimes we take for granted. Need to remember that uh, many of those have been secured by the sacrifice of so many men and women over the years. And so I'd like to ask any of our, our veterans, if you would please stand, just allow us to have an opportunity uh, to show our appreciation today for your service, your commitment to our country, and for the way you serve. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that a bunch. And we need to continue just to be grateful for that. Well, have you ever had some authentic hospitality demonstrated to you. Well, I have, uh, as some of you know, uh, a number of years ago, one of the things that was on my bucket list uh, was to climb all of the 14,000 foot peaks uh, in Colorado, which I was able to complete uh, in 2014. Now, the amazing thing is since then, they've actually added four more peaks to the list. I don't know if they just got taller or what happened. So I got to figure out if I'm actually going to tackle those four more. And fortunately, in all of those climbs, uh, nothing serious ever occurred. But you can't be out uh, in wilderness like that without having some very interesting experiences, of which there were plenty. Uh, For example, I learned early on uh, that I needed to limit my climbing season to July and August. Uh, That was because of two bad experiences I had. One climb uh, was in late December, uh, where we literally got caught in a blizzard, almost didn't find our way back to the trailhead because we literally got blown off course due to the high winds and the lack of visibility. Uh, no more climbs in December. Uh, the second was a climb that we did on Memorial Weekend, thinking that would be better. And it was down in the San Juan Mountains uh, near Creed. Uh, and it was following a winter where there was some fairly heavy snowfall, which meant there was still a lot of snow on the ground. And we camped out at the trailhead the night before so that we could start our trek bright and early in the morning about 6.30. And unfortunately, there was a 12,000-foot ridge that we had to ascend, only then to descend at least another 1,000 feet or more, and then cross a large snow field before the final push to the summit. Well, we hadn't been planning on a snow field. We didn't bring snowshoes with us, and so we literally would post hole our way across. Now, hopefully when I say post hole, it shows you what we were doing. We were making post holes in the snow all the way across, which meant more time, much more exhausting. It took us longer to reach the summit than we had planned. It also meant that none of us wanted to go back that way on the return route, and so we had to carefully negotiate a different path back to our vehicle, still having, though, to, to clear that 12 12,000 foot ridge once again. Well, it was, it was longer and more grueling than anything I'd ever experienced up to that point. And honestly, there were several times as the day wore on and on that literally due to sheer exhaustion, I told my son who was hiking with me that day, I said, I don't even think I can go any farther. And so I just going to lay down here and rest and hopefully someone will come find me in the morning because that's probably where I'll be. But somehow I was able to keep going. And it really, it wasn't till around 9.30 that evening, some 15 hours after we had started, that we were finally getting close enough uh, to see our vehicles. And I noticed as we were walking up there, a set of headlights driving up the road towards us, which of course ended up being the sheriff, 
who'd been sent to look for us by another one of the climbers' wives who'd gotten worried because her husband hadn't checked in on us. And uh, I think the sheriff, honestly, was a little bit relieved that we were so easy to find, that we just drove up the road, and that everyone was okay. But then he did something, the sheriff, that really kind of caught us off guard. He pointed out, which we knew it was kind of late at night, there weren't going to be any eating places open along the way, and he actually invited us to come over to his house where he said his wife would cook up a quick meal and then we could be on our way. And so that's what we did. Amazing hospitality. And for me, it was just one of those expressions of true hospitality at its best reminded me how really caring and friendly some people could be and really what a better place the world would be if Christ followers would lead the way. Uh, in the demonstration of this really ancient virtue, which brings us to Lesson 8 in our University of Practical Faith. We've been engaged in the semester-long study of Romans chapter 12, which is one of the most application-packed chapters in the entire Bible when it comes to stating how our faith should look like on a very practical basis. And uh, if you're not a Christ follower yet, we're glad that you're here checking it out because you'll hear today really what Jesus expects of every one of us. And while there really are some verses in this chapter that might encourage you and inspire you, there's also plenty of verses that will challenge you and may lead you to some uncomfortable places. And honestly, I think that's what verse 13 is in Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today uh, because here's what the Apostle Paul says our faith should look like. It should look like sharing with the Lord's people who are in need and practicing hospitality. Now, there's a lot of different translations. I really appreciated what the New Living Translation, how it worded it, and it said this, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager, eager to practice hospitality. See, I think verse 13 is significant in my opinion because it it literally calls Christians to start acting like Christians and live differently than the rest of the world. It calls the church to be the church in a way that demonstrates that it is Christ-led. Remember, it was Jesus himself who said in John chapter 13, hey, this is how everyone is going to know that you're my disciples. It's by the way that you love one another, the way that you care for one another. And so here in this verse, Paul gives us two practical expressions of faith that demonstrate that love. And you see, the practical side of our faith will often require us, though, to move outside our comfort zones. And I think these two practical expressions certainly do that. The first one is this. When there is a need, Paul said, you should be generous. Now, the instruction is to be willing to share our resources with those in need. But here he points out, especially with those who are a part of our family in the church. And you got to know, being generous is really at the core of what it means to be a Christ follower, because that's exactly what God has first demonstrated to us. You know, we know in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says that we all have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And yet he was generous enough to justify us freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. You see, from a spiritual standpoint, God saw our need and then responded generously, leaving us an example so that we can, when we encounter needs from an earthly standpoint, that we can respond generously. 
Now, I got to say, fortunately, that my experience with this church family has been that generosity is one of its greatest qualities. Because I've watched time and time again when there's been a need that was shared, and really the response has been usually pretty strong. I did just want to warn you, there are people out there today that want to capture your money. And it happened again just real recently. Somebody kind of snuck into some of the background of our website, got some of your emails, and they sent you an email faking it was me and asking you to send me some gift cards. Now, I just want to remind you, if that ever happens, I'm not going to send you an email like that. That's not an email from me. So just know that. Check the email address. You'll notice that. But that's not how it's going to happen because you guys do much better than that. Well, Paul's instruction in verse 13 actually takes us back to the roots of of the early church when they uh, chose to respond differently than the rest of the world by demonstrating unprecedented generosity with one another kind of right out of the gate. We know that because in Acts chapter 2, which actually tells us about the launch of the early church, said right away, this is what they started doing. It said all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions and began to give to anyone who had need. I mean, here are these early believers who are selling their land and their houses and their possessions, and they're bringing the proceeds to the apostles so that they could distribute money to anyone who had need. How incredible is that it would be incredible today it was very incredible back then and they were demonstrating that this is how christ followers should treat their brothers and sisters in christ as they generously met the needs of the believers that were around them and really what they were demonstrating is that the generosity of god's grace should generate some generosity in our hearts now honestly there can be plenty of wrong motives for for people giving Sometimes it can be pride, we know that, or a desire for power or control, or it might be out of guilt, or maybe it comes from external pressure, or maybe responding to gimmicks, and there's a lot of gimmicks running around churches today. But you know, the right motive for giving is that God has generously given us eternal life through the sacrifice of his own son. And so in response and out of a desire to please him and to glorify him by reflecting his generous nature to others... We, we're generous. We, we give. And I think that's exactly what Jesus had in mind when he said in Matthew 10, hey, freely you have been given or received, and now you can freely give. Now, you know, the Greek ver- verb for sharing here is the word koinonia, which you've heard before, koinonia in the church maybe. Uh, it's often translated as fellowshipping together. But it's actually used a number of other times as a reference in the Bible to sharing material resources, uh, which really, what we got to recognize in the church, it actually has a generous effect all of the way around. You see, our generosity is what creates generosity in return. I think that's in essence what Jesus said when in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he said, hey, you give, you be generous, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap. And then he reminds us, he said, because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, one of the key principles of life is that the measure that we use is how it gets measured back to us. And I think Jesus made that clear because one of the lies that Satan wants us to believe is that there's only so much to go around. And so you better make sure that you hold on to all that you have. 
And yet the Bible talks about something completely different. In fact, the, the writer of Proverbs caught on to this. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, you know, one person gives freely, and yet they seem to gain even more. Another withholds unduly, and for some reason they come to poverty. See, one of the things I and so many other Christ followers I've seen have discovered is that it's impossible to outgive God. When you are generous on behalf of God, he is generous back. But you also can withhold his blessing if you would want. And that's why I think Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, you need to beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Because honestly, folks, the nemesis of generosity is greed. And that can be fueled by what we would call a scarcity mentality. And a scarcity mentality believes that there's only so much to go around. And if you share what you have with others, then you maybe end up with nothing. And see, greed not only leads us to try to get all we have, but also hold on to it tightly and not let go. But the Bible's pretty clear, folks. That's not how Christ's followers live. Remember what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17? He said, if anyone has material possessions, and you know what? We have so many of those today, and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So I want to just leave you with this important question on this point. The question we need to ask ourselves is, does my life help others to see that my heavenly father is generous? And honestly, folks, generosity is just sharing your abundance with others, no matter how small that might be. What's so interesting is when the, the John the Baptist was starting to prepare the, the way for Jesus to come, people came to him and said, hey, John, how should we live if we're a God follower? And he's just pointed out this simple thing. He said, hey, if you've got two shirts, you could share with somebody who doesn't have a shirt. And if you've got food, you should do the same. Now, we'll come back to where you can do that a little bit later. But the second core aspect of our faith is the hospitality that God models for us as he promises to provide a place for each of us in his heavenly home. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples right before he left in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Notice what he says. He says, my father's house has a lot of rooms. And if, we're not, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's hospitality at its best. And so what Paul says to us is, our second lesson, when the opportunity arises, be hospitable. Now, you know, that night that we climbed that peak, that sheriff could have just as easily sent us on our way. But he chose hospitality. And hospitality is the warm, welcoming treatment of visitors and guests. And it means receiving and entertaining guests in a way that makes them feel loved and cared for. And having a reputation for hospitality means you're known for for being welcoming and kind to visitors. Which may also mean we've got a holiday coming up. You may have a house full at Thanksgiving if you're one of those people. Well, you know, I've got to say, over the years... I've been on the receiving end of gracious hospitality numerous times. Uh, A lot of it had to do with back when I was in Bible college and I would serve on outreach teams and uh, we would travel around to different churches and we often stayed in people's homes Uh, and they would lovingly take us in, put us up for the night, feed us and bless us. Of course, there were lots of different kinds of, of hospitality, and we had some very interesting situations that we found ourselves in. Uh, one particular one uh, was uh, with a middle-aged couple who'd never had children, but they had a dog. 
And uh, when I arrived at their home for the evening, and I was going to be staying there for a few days, before we even entered the house, they explained that in order for the dog to feel comfortable with me being there, that I had to remember a certain combination of both words and a behavior uh, before safely being able to move around the house. And I couldn't believe it. When I entered the house, I was instructed to do the following. When the dog approached me, I would, would repeat five words in the exact order. Now, I can't remember what they were, but they were words like fetch, chair, ball, dish, and frisbee. And I would say that to the dog, and then I could move over and sit down at the dining room table for approximately five minutes, and then I could be free to move around the house. I'd never had hospitality like that before. <laughs> but it was their hospitality. They were willing to keep me. And, and even though hospitality is at the core of our faith, we got to be honest today. There, there are a lot of people who are not only reluctant to practice hospitality, they actually complain about having to do it. And I think that's why the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Hey, offer hospitality to one another without what? Without grumbling about it. Now, the reason many people grumble about it is because, honestly, hospitality is going to be costly in terms of resources. And those resources are going to include some of the things that are important to us, like our time, which is a hot commodity these days. We seem to be busy, busy, busy people. We don't have time. Or how about finances? I mean, especially these days. Isn't that true when inflation has significantly increased the cost of everything? I mean, literally everything. I think some of you know that there's a couple of things I believe from earth are going to be in heaven. One of those is Pepsi, because it wouldn't really be heaven without Pepsi. But you know, Pepsi has gone up 300% just the last couple of years. That's terrible. But when you're concerned about money or or finances, notice what happens. Proverbs catches us so well. It says, do not not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies. For he's the kind of person that's always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. And then, of course, it's going to require the resource of emotional energy. Honestly, caring for other people, hosting them, can wear you out emotionally. And that's exactly why true hospitality is nearly impossible if you don't have a generous spirit. Not to mention, being biblically hospitable is going to require kind of broadening some of our boundaries. Now get ready for this because this is you're not going to like this. See, when Paul challenges us to offer hospitality, he wants us to open our doors of our homes and let others in. And that can seem a pretty foreign thing today, especially because these days so many of us are closed off and private. We like to have our own space. Christians, however, need to be the exception to that kind of behavior. Because, you know, honestly, the biblical meaning for hospitality is loving strangers, people that we don't necessarily know that well. But then remember, remember, God took a bunch of outsiders, that was us, even enemies, and turned all of us into family. Every one of us here today has been welcomed to the table of God. So what does biblical hospitality look like? Well, honestly, for sure, it's inviting others over, eating together, maybe housing other people. But I think this is the most challenging part. It's not to be limited to just the people that we enjoy being around. See, one time Jesus was actually being hosted by a, a Pharisee. And I remember studying this as a, as a teenager and thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty amazing. In Luke 14, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet... 
Invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed. Because although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And what you and I have to remember is that hospitality will be rewarding if we'll step in, even though it costs us something. It'll bring blessing. It'll enhance relationships. It'll create community. And I realize that that can be hard for some of us. Maybe we're a little introverted, but can also be life-giving and life-changing. So think about it. Who could you have over for dinner this week? Or who could you maybe invite over for coffee and an encouraging word? I just encourage you to take a step and do it. It's what the world's looking for. If you're a kid here today, kids, there's stuff that you can do. You maybe can't invite, or you could try to invite your friends over. But you could maybe just at lunch, at school, sit with a kid that's sitting by themselves. There's something every one of us can do. And when that happens, the world takes notice. Because remember back in the early church when they started sharing things in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, we read more about what they were doing. It says, every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, and then notice, enjoying the favor of all the people to the point that the Lord was able to add daily to their number those who were being saved. Now, we got to wrap this up, and I want you to walk away with three very, I think, practical practices uh, to implement helping and, and, and hospitality. And I want to start with something that every one of us can do every week right here when we're at church. And that would be to welcome at least one person to your church home every week. Now, did any of you notice or miss that we didn't do our greeting time earlier in the service today? I know, man, the first time we did it after COVID, this, 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 this service like cheered. You're so happy about it. Well, that's because we were saving it till now. Don't jump up right away. Because um, I want to do something that I'm going to be honest with you. For some, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable today. It's going to make it that way. I'm hoping, though, that from every Sunday after that, it'll actually make it more comfortable for everyone. And I want to say to you, if you're here today and, and this is not your church home, we're glad you're here and it's okay for you to be here. And if you're, if you're new and just looking, maybe checking it out to see if this is a place you could call home, that's okay. We want you to just take it easy for the next moment because right now I would like to ask everyone, and if you have to sit, if you have to stay seated, that's, remember, that's okay. Everyone who would call Academy Christian Church your home, if you would please stand. And I'm going to tell even the people online, hey, you're sitting on your couch, you need to stretch too, so you can go ahead and stand as well. That would be fine. Um, And I want you to stand so that I can commission you right now uh, to become honorary members of our first encounter team. And our first encounter team are all those people that stand out there and greet and and welcome people. And all of those of you are standing here, I, I commission you today that you are now honorary members of our first encounter team. And what that means, folks, is every time you walk through the doors, you recognize that it's your job to find at least one other person that you've never met. And you welcome them. You play host and welcome them to Academy Christian Church. Now, let's go ahead and practice it. If you're sitting down, you can go ahead and stand because people are going to be shaking your hand. But let's go, let's go ahead. Meet somebody you've never met before. Welcome them to Academy Christian Church. Let's do it now. If you're joining us online, I know you can't shake anybody's hand. Maybe you can send a text to somebody you haven't seen or thought of for a while and, and just greet them.
right, good job, good job. That's enough, though. Don't make 20 new friends, just one. Just one new friend. You can go ahead and be seated again. And that officially that officially meets the requirement for a seventh-inning stretch, all right? Although I think we're a little closer than that. I just want to remind you, that simple act, it's an act of hospitality. And it what's, it's what makes a growing church feel a lot smaller, And so on Sunday, I'm just asking you to focus on welcoming somebody that you don't know to church. And if this is your church home every week, you're a host when you're at church. And you got to realize with a a church as large as ours, we got multiple services. We're going to run into people we don't know all the time. And one of the tricks is uh, if you meet somebody that you've never seen before, really probably never ask them, hey, are you new? Because they might have been going to another service for 20 years. And they'll say, no, we've been here for 20 years. So what you ask them is, how long have you been going here? And then they can say 20 years. It's a lot less uh, uh, offending at that point. We just need everyone at church to keep an eye out for someone you don't know and make them feel warmly welcomed and at home. That's how we could do hospitality. Second thing I'd want to offer you to do today would be to share your abundance with someone else once a month. And we've actually kind of incorporated something to help assist in that using modern technology. Now, if you have your phone and you're not a part of our share center right now, you have permission to take out your phone and there's a QR code there and click on that QR code and get signed up for our ACC share center. It's one of the ways that we as Christ followers can help share what we have with other people. And uh, you might have seen it before, but we're going to watch it again. It's a little video, and the QR code will come back. Uh, it's a little video that shows how it works. Time to clean the garage. found your old bike. Wow. I used to love this. Yeah, I I think it might be a little small for you now. You're right. It is way too small. <laughs> hey, what would you think about donating it to somebody else? Somebody who can use it. That now? would be a great idea. What if we did it to that new thing, um, our church's share center? The ACC Share Center. Yeah, that's what it was called. Great idea. Let's do that. Hey, let's post it to the ACC Share Center. Free frozen. It's all set. We just hit post. I think I found a bike. You like it? Yeah, I like it. You want it? Sure. How much is it? It's free. It's on the ACC Share Center page. Let's put it in the car. Thank you, ACC Share Center. (laughs) 
All right. I got to share with you. In just a month or two, there have been posts about sharing uh, baby toys and clothes. There's been appliances, furniture, exercise equipment, music and photography equipment, even some requests from our, our older, elderly folks uh, to help them with some tasks that they can no longer do. Man, I'd sure encourage you to be a part of that. And then number three, I would just say host someone new once a quarter. So you got once a week, once a month, and once a quarter. And if it's possible, I'd really encourage you, invite somebody over for dinner. Uh, But if that wouldn't work, maybe you could just take them out for dinner or at least lunch or maybe for coffee. And that's just four times a year. But think about it over five years. That's 20 people that you could have an influence in. And I know when we talk about hospitality, it doesn't sound all uh, that amazing. But hospitality, while it doesn't seem earth shattering or life altering, I mean, you really never know what impact the simplest hospitable interaction could have on another person. I think I shared with you before the story of a woman who was just kind of depressed about her life, didn't feel like it was even maybe worth living any longer. And she got up one day and she just said, you know what, nobody cares if I'm here. I'm going to give it one more day. And if I go through this day and nobody even notices me, I'm probably going to end my life. What just so happens on that particular day, she drove through a Chick-fil-A drive-through. And fortunately, the person at the window noticed her as a person as a human and looked at her and just happened to mention, hey, I I really like your hair. And that one statement was her answer that, you know what? Uh, Somebody noticed me. And folks, we never know when people are walking in here, whether there's something in their life that would make a difference if we would just be an encouragement to them. Because you know what? The world really is watching to see if we're the real deal when it comes to our faith. And one of the ways that they'll clearly see it is by our helping and our hospitality. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these very uh, kind of fearful, challenging opportunities that we have to be generous and to share with those in need, especially those who belong to our church family, and to be hospitable in a world that seems to become more and more hostile. And I pray that our hospitality Uh, could change people's lives and lead them to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.